Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast for games on all platforms. I am Daniel Winter. And this is Mark Uesa. How are you today, Mark? Well, it's a, it's a scorcher in the basement in this mid-July uh, day. And how are you doing? Good. I, I'm quite thankful that our games room is in the basement where it tends to be cooler. So <laughs> we can hibernate down there and, and play some games. But I'm actually just recently got back from a trip to Victoria, uh, Victoria, BC, that is not to be confused with Victoria, Australia, uh, <laughs> that I, I went out there for a one day board game convention, just a, a small little local thing. Uh, but I, I haven't had an excuse to, to go out there for some number of years. Uh, so it was lovely to be back in Victoria, play some games, visit a couple of, uh, of the local game cafes out there and, and, and see some friends. Yeah, Victoria is a very uh, unique. It used to be the capital, or it is the capital of BC, but it's it's very very colonial. Let's just say that. Yes, it was the a very very government focused city, but a very small, very walkable city too, and some very lo- lovely little cafes and, and nice vibes. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's a university town and a government town, so there's going to be you know good restaurants, good cafes, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, what do what do what have you been up to? You know, not too much. Just, you know, kids are out of school, so taking them back and forth uh-huh. from camp. I, I think I said I went camping a couple of weeks ago. We had some family guests, so just regular stuff. But, yeah, just trying to beat the heat and playing lots of lots of games indoors as a result. It is, it is a good excuse to stay inside. So today we've got our featured episode coming up on Eternal the Card Game. But before that, we'll have some news and what else we've been playing. Yeah, for sure. Why don't you start us off with some news? Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick rundown of some crowdfunding news that's been big lately. I think it's as we're recording now, it's it's too late. Literally today it finished, but they had a big campaign for Gloomhaven. There's a second printing of Frosthaven, a sort of 2.0 version of the original Gloomhaven. But they also announced a sort of pocket-sized version called Gloomhaven Bugs and Buttons. This is based on the fan-made Gloom Holden, I think it's called. You have all the cards in your hand, basically, rather than a sprawling board. And this but this version is specifically, it's it's further developed by Nikki Valence. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I saw, obviously, you couldn't avoid the marketing uh, campaign that went around that, but I didn't know a lot of details about the the product itself, other than it had to be smaller than the full-size game, right? Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of Gloomhaven, but the breadth of it is just too much for me. The number of quests in there, I, I, I'm never going to finish that game. So a, a smaller, more compact version is certainly appealing. I've, I have played a little bit of Jaws of the Lion, but I... I haven't gotten around to finishing that yet. But that, 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 that in itself did seem like a nicely streamlined version, and this is further, even shrunk down even more. <laughs> yeah, I also picked up a copy of Jaws of the Lion recently, and I'm eager to try it out with my kids. We're all wild for RPGs of late, so we want something that gives us that taste of an RPG experience. Yes, yeah, exactly. Very, very concise, compact. It's... it's Get that RPG experience in, in a small box without too much uh, rules overhead. <laughs> right. uh, one other comment is that they announced coming up soon, I think it's in August, that they're launching the crowdfunding uh, campaign for Mistwind. So this is by local publisher First Fish, 
and so I, I, I am friends with the publishers there. So but bias uh, foretold there, but it's designed by Daryl Andrews and Adrian Mescu, I think his name is the the designers of Sagrada. Uh, but uh, this is like a trading, some kind of trading pick up and deliver game, but like with giant flying whales. Beautiful illustrations. I've seen. We saw it demoed at our local convention at Terminal City, and it looks amazing. So I'm very curious to see more about that. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to see some of the early artwork for that game. When I used to do more game design stuff, it was just around before the pandemic started in in earnest. I think it was Gordon, who is the artist, I believe, from from First Fish Game, is the artist for that game. And uh, it's just very enticing, you know, like just captures the imagination in a great way and it gives you that you know chills like when when you see something like a studio ghibli it's like that that can't possibly exist but i want to know more you know yeah it looks very much very very painterly illustrations something akin to like tears of the kingdom or, or ghibli as you say yeah very very vibrant colors so i'm very very curious about the, the artwork is like drew me in especially but the theme looks very cool too the 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 flying whales and i'm, I'm always down for some pick up and deliver <laughs> no doubt looks very cool Okay, uh, well, I think we'd be remiss to not quickly mention that the Spilders Yaras was just, the, the winners, that is, was just announced. The Kinderspiel, I believe it's called. It was Mysterium Kids, a game I know nothing about, other than I assume it's related to Mysterium, a game I have not played. <laughs> uh, the the Spilders Yaras was Dorf Romantic, based on the video game. So definitely something up our alley there, though I've not had a chance to try that either. Right, and of course, for those unaware, the Spiel des Jahres is the German board game industry game of the year awards. They specifically are only for games that were released in Germany within the last year. Yes, you get some some weird sort of edge cases there. Like I think last year, Cascadia won, even though it had come out quite a bit earlier in other in other countries. But it was only released in Germany last year, and that's why it won. So, but it's always very it, there's obviously a lot of hype. It's probably the biggest awards we have in board gaming, arguably or not. It has the most sort of accolades associated with it. And the one other winner that is the Kenner Spiel for the these sort of more advanced games was won by Challengers, a game I will be talking about later. Yeah, I of course haven't kept up and I haven't played with any of those games. <laughs> yes, no no when very rarely on the on the edge of uh, the new hotness over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Great. What's news for you? Yeah, not too much news. I don't get out much. I, I like to stay under the rock that I am comfortable in. Uh, but I did recently check out the Game Pass uh, games that were announced. And I was honestly surprised by a number of the titles that were announced because they were actually on my watch list. <laughs> One of them that came out of the blue, I played for like all of 10 minutes. So I only played a bit. It's called uh, Common Hood. Hmm. It seems pretty cool. It's like right up my alley. It's like a crafting, survival crafting game, but it's set in a sort of urban environment and you are a very real down to earth, like human being, uh, kind of a young person who's like lost their home due to a death in the family or something like that. Mm -hmm. This is all explained in the first few minutes. And you basically have to live, like you have to squat. You have to squat in a warehouse and it seems, you know, quite political and it seems like it has quite a message i just think that was really brave 
of a game, you know, that could just be another one of those, hey, let's turn off our brains and play a game sort of game. But it seemed to be doing something interesting. Me- mechanically, it's a bit janky, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit of leeway because it's a it's clearly an indie. But yeah, I'll definitely sounds, want to play some more of that. Yeah, sounds sounds interesting. I, I was thrown by the I, I saw the sort of thumbnail image of it, and that sort of seemed to imply like the, the hood in, in video games is always like implies sort of gangs and grand theft auto and that sort of thing uh yeah uh video games don't necessarily have a great reputation for treating sort of homelessness and um those sort of things respectfully so as a sensitive topic i'm I'm curious how it how it deals with that it's obviously respectable for it to try and and do so uh in a in a more even-handed manner so yeah curious how yeah well it's it's rare for uh, the protagonist of a game to be unhoused it's it's obviously a video game so they're going to treat it like as deep as you can in a video game which is to say not very deep but they they definitely seem to give you the pov Literally, the people around you are coming from all different backgrounds, um, situations. Some are older, some are young, younger. They all have uh, different skin tones and perspectives. And uh, it just seems kind of cool. I, I just thought that's interesting. It's different than what I've seen out there before. Excellent. I'll, I'll take another look at that. The other games that I'll mention are I just I haven't played, so I'll just mention their titles. And they were super, super indie let's just say <laughs> a game that came out a few months ago called toem it's about mm. photography and it's it's set in this kind of cute cutesy black and white world with cutesy creatures uh, tectonica i think that's more of another world building survival crafting kind that of factory game yeah so, i thought that was you know, your alley is a is, yeah. is it factorio that you're into i I prefer a satisfactory. To that's, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was definitely curious about Tectonica. One of those. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Maquette, which seems to be a very atmospheric graphical adventure game, is, hmm. is my understanding of it. I could be totally off, but I have seen trailers of at least each of these games. And the, the trailer for Maquette is very, very stylistic and kind of <laughs> abstract. Very visually intriguing. I'll just say that. The name sounds very familiar. I think there was another sort of indie puzzle game that had a very similar name, and I'm, I'm, I'm struck to remember the name of that and getting them confused. But it's, it's a big week for indies. I mean, there's quite, been quite a few added to Game Pass this week. Recently, they added Chicory, which is one that I've been meaning to get to. Right. So I'm super excited. I mean, like these are the sorts of games that get me excited, and it might not be for every <laughs> gamer out there, but for me, it's making me quite happy. Excellent. So, yeah, lots to dig into there. And if the news with the Microsoft merger is to is to follow through, there'll be a lot more news with Game Pass soon, I imagine. Oh, yeah, that's pretty big news, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to show my how uneducated I am on the, the matters of F, FTC regulations here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a done deal just yet, but it's as far along as it's ever been, and it seems to be heading that way. So, so for those not uh, following along here, that we that we're talking about the Microsoft buyout of Activision Blizzard, which in theory looks to be 
probably maybe finally going ahead. <laughs> so right. expect to see some maybe Diablo on Game Pass soon. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll put out World of Warcraft on Xbox. They're acquiring King Games as well of Candy Crush fame. Um, Call of Duty is definitely going to be multiplayer as Sony has signed a 10-year deal of that. So they're going to keep some stuff and they're going to share some stuff, which, you know, is what every other game publisher does. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's look into the future there. So why don't we talk about what we've been currently playing? Yeah. I said, I told you I went camping a couple of weeks ago and and I I didn't mention some of the games we played while we were doing that. Uh, I was just with my family, so they're pretty lightweight. We picked (laughs) up a title called Sabobotage, which is very hard to say unless you write it out clearly in front of you subobotage as in you know boba bubble tea mm-hmm. it's a light little card game fits in a very tiny box and i got it at rain city games our friendly local game store and this is a um, local game right is it a local made game? Or Canadian I mean, made, maybe. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it's we we love our boba in, in <laughs> Western Canada, at least, and certainly in Vancouver. And it's ostensibly about that. You're you're trying to make bubble tea style drinks. Basically, if you make five, I believe, five drinks before anyone else, you win the game. But it's not so easy because, as you would imagine, the other players are trying to sabotage you. Now, I played this game. I didn't really know much about it except the reputation that it's kind of, you know, popular and kind of out there. And then I realized this game really seems quite familiar. You know, I don't want to cast aspersions out there, but it seemed <laughs> very similar, if not inspired wholly by another game I played and I kickstarted uh, way back called Farmageddon by a designer who you might know called Grant Rodiak. Do you know Grant? Uh, I think he designed Forts, I want to say. That's right. Yeah, he designed, originally it was called SPQF or something like that. That's right, yes. And Fort is based on that. And he's designed other games as well, like Cry Havoc, which is a larger board game. And uh, I think he works in the video game industry at Maxis, I believe. Sounds um, about right, yeah. Some city fame. Uh, But anyways, they're very similar. (laughs) I'm not going to say it was intentional, (laughs) but play them back to back and see if you see any similarities. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to assign any any uh, ill intentions there. It's quite easy to accidentally make very similar designs, especially for a small card game. I imagine. Yeah, Farmageddon is basically you, instead of creating drinks, you're creating a plot, and you have, to, <laughs> you have to put seeds in, and then you have to fertilize them, and you have to put insurance on them so no one attacks you. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, pretty similar setup. Yeah, so I think I've seen some people, some some of the local businesses sort of showcasing this in a sense that uh, I think it, it, it may be a local game, but at the very least, I do love boba. I had some for lunch today. Taro boba, my personal favorite. I don't know what, what you, what, what are you, you, you're a boba fan, I assume. I like boba, but I find it a little too expensive. Uh, uh-huh. It hurts It hurts my pocket, <laughs> especially when you try and feed all four people in my family uh, with, uh, with boba. Yes. It's like more expensive than a dinner out, it seems. Uh, so I try and steer them away from, from that if possible. Fair enough. Yeah, so at least you can appreciate it in card game form now. Yeah. <laughs> what else have you been playing? I haven't been playing much in the physical world beyond that. I've been really on a RPG kick, like a tabletop RPG, I should say. 
I'm always on a video game RPG kick. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been reading a bunch of manuals. Like I dug up some old PDFs I had. I borrowed this copy of Numenera, which is related to, to a couple of video games I've been playing. So I've just been like sucking those books down. I, I used to do this, <laughs> you know, I collect RPG books and I just read them. Don't get to play them, just read them. And it's pretty enjoyable. I love just the imagination, the mechanics. It just fascinates me. So I've been really enjoying that. Yeah, well, I mean, to play our cards here, we've been talking about potentially covering a TTRPG that, I mean, we, we are the podcast for games of all platforms, but we've so far we've not covered that, that. I mean, that's a pretty huge hole in, in our coverage. So I think we'd, we'd like to cover one. We're, we're debating as to what a good place to start is. So anyone listening, please feel free to send in suggestions. I know we've talked about potentially leading towards something sci-fi related, Personally, I, I don't have a lot of experience with them. I've played a little bit of D&D, uh, mostly some some homebrew games with with housemates and had mi- mixed experiences, especially with my, my own anxieties around needing to improvise characters. I'm not really good with sort of storytelling and role, the actual role-playing side of things. So I want something that's a little more r- focused on rules, potentially. I don't know. But if, if anyone has any suggestions, please feel free to send those in. Yeah, certainly. I'm looking at a bunch of the core systems and then comparing them and see what I enjoy, mostly for my own interest, but certainly for a game we can play as well. And I just want to shout out, you know, a few of our guests we've had in the past. They definitely have some TTRBG connections. Dennis Ryan, for instance, he's I talked to him the other day. Mm-hmm. He, he's a big fan of the Fate system. He plays uh, a bunch of that. I think Jamie Daggers does some was it Jamie that was talking about, or is she more was, of a war gamer? I think it was Jillian was talking about Mothership. Yeah, Jillian and her partner were talking about Mothership. You know, who doesn't like a TTRPG? It's just fun for a change, even if it's not your main thing. It's, it's fun for a change, and, and if it is your main thing, wow, they're, they're as popular now as ever. There's never been another time where they're more viable RPG systems or as accessible RPG systems as there are now. Yeah, I mean, everyone starts out with Dungeons and Dragons slightly. Largely, just, it just has that cultural, not, not, I wouldn't say relevance, but it, it's just so, looms so large. Everyone has this sort of awareness of the tropes that's very easy to sort of just jump in. Let's just say it's like first mover advantage, right? It's It was the first big one, and then Hasbro bought it up after Wizards of the Coast did, and it's just got all the money behind it. So I kind of see it as, as the Marvel or the Star Wars of the uh, TTRPG world, right? Like whether <laughs> whether <laughs> you want to ignore it or not, you, you just can't because it, they're they're just pushing it. It's popular uh, because it's popular yeah, at this point. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a juggernaut. So um, not much more needs to be said about that. I play D&D, but I've always been interested in other systems as well. So yeah, I'm very eager to try out some more stuff. Excellent. Well, what have I been playing? I mentioned I I went to Victoria for the Day of Board Gamers and mostly played a few lighter games. We played Seven Blunders, that is Seven Wonders with golf scoring, like lower score wins. Not balanced at all, but it was fun for a quick sort of icebreaker. (laughs) That sounds fun. I finally played in person Space Base, which you and Dennis, who you just mentioned, uh, you 
you discussed that when I was away, and I've, I've played a bunch of, bit of that game online and finally got to play it in person. And as I suspected, it definitely does play better in person. Just, I mean, you, if you're going to be rolling dice, you want to be you want to physically roll the dice, right? The, 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 like, something feels very soulless about digitally pressing a button to roll a dice, and it's just it's also just the energy in that game, the the, the tension of, of every, everyone sort of invested in it, watching the dice. Like you just miss that entirely when you just sign in for your asynchronous. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, I've got three golds since I last logged in. Cool. It's just feels sort of arbitrary online. So we play. So I quite enjoyed that, and that included one of the expansion modules from the Emergence of Shy Pluto expansion. I want to say, whereby you can buy these teeny tiny dice that you get to roll on every other player's turn. And because this was a six-player game, you buy one of those, you are rolling this, these dice a lot. And so by the end, I had a handful of six dice that I was rolling every single turn, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Who doesn't want more dice to roll? Yeah. And it was obviously, like, these are these are, these tiny dice literally have one, like, they're, they're blank on five sides, and one side will have a couple of points or a couple of, of, of gold. And so it's very low odds, but the, just the act of constantly being engaged and there's lots of little micro moments of tension that, that really brings that game to life. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know they were custom dice. Yeah, yeah. Then they random as to which ones come out, uh, I, I believe. There's quite a few there to, to purchase. So uh, then I checked out one of the local board game cafes, and right, literally as the news of the Spilders Yara's winners came out, we were at the cafe and they had all those games there. So we went and immediately grabbed a copy of Challenges, which I had not played or didn't even know much about. So it, this is it's a fascinating game. It is a series of rounds in which you play 1v1 matchups. So regardless of how many players you have, you split into groups of two to have a, a 1v1 head, like head-to-head battle right? So over the course of seven rounds, you'll be bouncing back and forth between multiple matchups. So you, you'll, you'll play against every other player a couple of times. So it's like a big tournament, basically, depending on how many players you have. You can go up to eight, I believe. We only had three, so you have a, a bot player. The trick here is the actual matches where you're playing head-to-head is basically automated. There is no decision to be made outside of one or two very small card abilities. You're, they're just running on autopilot. And it's the, the theme being this capture the flag, The you, you play a card. If it, your card is higher than the opponent's number, if, if your number is higher than their number, you, you take the flag. It's as simple as that. And back and forth, back and forth until either someone runs out of cards or they run out of space on their little tableau there. And so I can see a lot of people, obviously, I mean, there, there absolutely is de- debate already. Oh, it's not really a game. I, there's obviously more to it than that. There, you, you are adding in between each round. You add cards, so you do have a trace there. What cards you're adding to your deck? So it's kind of so you sort of programming your deck and then letting it run to see what happens. But even then, there's it's just this fantastic group dynamic. Uh, it's like watching a horse race basically and, che- and cheering it on. Uh, so if you've got a if you've got a large group, I I, I, I only played with three and we and we quite enjoyed it. So I imagine it's even better at four or, or six where you can really get into the group 
matchups. You can get into the rivalries and like f- finally getting to, to have a rematch against your against uh, your nemesis. And it, it, again, it's it's not so much about the game; it's about the group dynamics and the meta game around it. I think is what really makes that game shine. Yeah, that's cool. I like the concept of a game that lets you program something and and then let it run. Like, I mean, that's I don't know. Maybe it's just the battle bots or something. I guess, like, yeah. right? You, you built you built the robot. Now let let them at it and see who wins. <laughs> Looking to to try that again with a large group. Very cool. Yeah, I'd like to try that out for sure. Excellent. Well, let's jump to the digital world. What uh, video games have you been playing? Uh, I think I mentioned that I've been super into RPGs, so I've been back-to-back playing a couple of ones that are based on newer RPG systems. So one of them is called Pillars of Eternity, and it is, I should make a correction, by the way, don't say don't say <laughs> that we don't have any journalistic ethics here. I said last time that Pillars of Eternity was based on the Numenera system, that's half true, it's based on the Cypher system, which came out of Numenera. And I, I, I'll just mention it again because I've been playing like a number of hours of it. Like I'm kind of a dozen hours in or so, and I'm really enjoying the campaign. It's great writing, just kind of draws you in. It's, it's very D&D-like without being exactly D&D-like, if you know what I mean. So I am enjoying that quite a bit. Pillars of Eternity. Yeah. I think I mentioned previously that I I enjoyed that game up to the point where you get to the city and then just get completely overwhelmed with too many options and too many people to talk to and side quests and everything. But I have recently been hearing so much talk about that setting in that game that I, I, I'm tempted to jump back in. I, I think I might just try this, the sequel, Dead, Dead Fire, I think it's called. So rather than replaying the first one, I might just jump into that and see how it compares. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, Deadfire is just a different region within the same universe, so that sounds cool. Uh, there'll hopefully be some uh, tweaks made to the system. Not that it's really lacking. It's a really solid engine, and uh, I'm really enjoying it for that reason. Um, it's surprising. You can take that game in a lot of different directions. A little bit more free than the old Bioware hub-and-spoke model, but it's almost like a like a checkerboard. Like You can go in any direction, but you're, you're kind of expanding out this grid so it's pretty flexible it and the side quests are 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 a plenty you don't have to take them all but there's plenty to be found if you dig a little deeper excellent and then speaking of uh i I guess you'd call them crpgs we have boulders gate 3 coming very soon yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like way, way, way ahead of, of me um, because I have this compulsion to play games in order. So I'll be having to go <laughs> exactly, through. Exactly, yeah. Well, there's nice and nice remasters of 1 and 2 out now that I might check out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've, ha- I've had 1 and 2 for years. I have like Icewind Dale 1 and 2, Neverwinter Nights. Um, there's so many of those. There's a brilliant indie RPG based off off of that isometric model called Arcanum, which I absolutely love. It's magic and steampunk, let's just say. And the writing is fantastic by Troika, really underrated uh, game publisher, I guess you could say, and dev. Last, last episode, I mentioned Planet of Lana, which was a, a, a go-right game, I, I believe I called it, sort of in the, in the vein of Inside and Limbo. 
And so in thinking about those sort of games, it reminded me that I had not, not played Somerville. So the developer of that game is Jumpship, which I believe was created sort of in the ashes of, of, of Playdead, who made Limbo and Inside. One of, the, one of the founders of that created his own studio, then made Somerville. So there is a connection there. But it, it, it's, it's not as simple as one of those games, not only because you're going left here, you're not going right. But oh, it, revolutionary. It, <laughs> um, what, things that video games do these days. But it's actually much more dynamic in the camera angles as well. You're not always just going right to left. <laughs> like it, it, it sort of Sometimes it sort of pulls back top down or it zooms right out. And it's a very dynamic camera, very cinematic. Uh, it, it's got some clever puzzles that it's, it's very simple puzzles so it's, it's very war of the worlds you, you 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 fall asleep on the couch with your family you wake up and there's some kind of alien invasion is in the middle of, of going down and you you inevitably receive some kind of weird alien powers that to influence some of your environment and so it's, it's largely some basic navigation puzzles and some some jumping puzzles and moving levers and things pushing back and forth that were the puzzles that were there were pretty clever the problem is that i found is this game is so dark it's incredibly stylish and and beautiful to look at the lighting is incredible but it's so dark that it's really hard to tell what you can interact with oh i thought you meant like thematically dark but it's just visually oh, that's dark yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, visual, visually, it is. It is very like a lot of deep, like shades of grey and deep blacks, and and it's it's just very hard to tell what you're looking at and what you can interact with, like especially when the camera is so zoomed out. So I think it it's it's too stylish for its own good in that sense. I mean, it, all it really needed was just a a sort of uh, an on-screen indicator when you're next to something that you can interact with, because like there are levers that have they're technically shaded like a a little with a little orange sort of highlights to things that you can interact with, but the camera is so zoomed out, you can't even see that anyway. So I just needed a little bit of, of uh, a little something there to, to help indicate what you could do. And I think it, it does jump the shark a little bit towards the end, not to spoil anything, but it goes in some very strange places. But for the first half, is was a, was a pretty thrilling little ride and, and very... Yeah, very, very stunning game to look at and some, and some clever little puzzles. So I, I quite enjoyed that one. Nice. Um, I'm going to mention the second video game I played quickly. It's called Bloodstained, colon something something subtitle. Uh, it's a, I think it was a Kickstarter game by Igarashi, perhaps, uh, is basically the inventor, quote unquote, of uh, Castlevania. And it's sort of a, a Castlevania-like or a Metroidvania-like. That's and right, it yeah. Promised, it was promised to be like a spiritual successor without the license. And I played it. It runs like a dream on, on Steam Deck. And uh, it's pretty solid. Like the the graphics are passable for its age, and it's, it's satisfying <laughs> in a Metroidvania ish way. Uh, and the uh, weapons are kind of cool. It's it's kind of RPG like too, with uh, how you can upgrade your levels and equip yourself in a bunch of different ways. So enjoying that so far, and I hope to play some more. I think I played a little bit of that, and I don't recall exactly why I bounced off of it. I, I seem to recall it being a little grindy. I think. Or just, yeah, just that, that very be. difficult. I don't, I don't remember what, what it was exactly, but uh, I, I didn't get on. I, I think it was just also the art style it was very anime. I don't know something like that rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look back to Castlevania, that was very much the case with those two. It's it's passable. It's definitely one of those, and it goes back to 
It's true to its form, I should say, as a as a Castlevania clone. Uh huh. Excellent. Okay, shall we jump to our main feature? Let's do it. So the game we're going to be talking about today is called Eternal, the card game. And it, it has that subtitle because it's a fairly generic name if you really uh, yes. stop and think about it. I did struggle trying to find this game on Steam when I was, I was first trying to install it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's worse on iOS or um, or Play Store because it's like every well, game... Every other game has Eternal, has Eternal in it. <laughs> exactly. Right. So this one's called Eternal, the card game. It's by Direwolf Publishing. And digital, I believe. I think those are two distinct uh organizations yeah direwolf digital uh they um direwolf is of course responsible for some other stuff like dune imperium the physical board game and there's actually uh eternal spinoff which we can talk about at some point but uh let's uh let's talk about the basics first it's for pc console tablet and mobile so you can pretty much get it anywhere and it's free to play so it doesn't cost anything Upfront, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we usually talk about what type of game this is. Do you want to just try describing this game for us? Yeah, I mean, to, to be a little facetious, the shorthand here is to basically say that it's Magic the Gathering. Uh, I, I <laughs> so I, for those not obviously not for those not familiar with Magic the Gathering, it, it is a deck building game. G- the general format being it's a one v one game. Each player will go in. They will they will go in with a pre constructed deck that they have made, or the game has made for you. Long, we'll get to that later. And and you are, are, are battling. So with with the goal of of attacking each other's sort of primary hero i guess i don't know what the exact term is here but you, you your, your your primary character has has 25 health here you'll be you try it was the main goal to take that down to zero but you'll be playing a bunch of other creatures and spells and effects to try and get in the way of that or assist that as it were so yeah it's definitely very much magic the gathering and i think it's 95 percent of that the, the core mechanics at least for better or worse <laughs> it, it is designed by a group of magic the gathering pros that's not terribly surprising and i hey i like magic the gathering i have been playing quite a bit of it lately which i'll get to lately so it's not necessarily a bad thing but if, your feelings on magic may, may affect your feelings here, basically. You're right that a large percentage of the core structure is based off that game. It does some things that are different, which I would like to explore a little bit yep. more. And I think that's where the, the subtlety comes from. Is like You're not going to fool anyone into thinking that the game of Magic the Gathering didn't ever exist before this game came around but it certainly hews to that model but there's a lot of things i like about it that are that are different and some things that i don't like about it so it's free to play it's online multiplayer there's a lot of ways to play solo which is very cool and it's entirely online so there's no physical game to go along with this so as a result a lot of the mechanisms that they can use aren't tied to any physical constraints at all so that's that's one of the cool things about the game 
Yeah. So you mentioned some of the, there's a bunch of solo formats and, and that's really where I think this kind of differentiates itself in that there is quite a lot of uh, PVE or player versus environment where you don't have to be playing against other players. There's quite a few options here to just play matches by yourself in a variety of different formats. Uh, so, and as someone who likes deck building games, but gets a lot of anxiety playing them with strangers, that was definitely a, a big win for me. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I kind of have to admit that I'm pretty much in the same boat. I started playing Magic the Gathering in the 90s. I probably wasn't around for first printing because that was uh, such a limited uh, supply, but I was definitely around in the 90s when the first few sets were coming out. That said, I haven't kept up. Uh, I don't play even as much as you have, but I've I bought one of the sets more recently. I think it was the Forgotten Realms one was the last time I sort of mm, took a dip. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I've certainly played the the competitor, uh, some would say the much more popular digital platform, Magic the Gathering Arena, I think it's called. Uh, yes. There's actually two of yeah. them, right? There's Magic the Gathering uh, Arena. And there then, have been several over the even, but the arena is the, is yeah. the main, is the current main adaptation. The, the popular one. And then there's Magic the Gathering Online, which is a, an older one, but it's a little bit more technical. I think more for grognards, I guess you could say. <laughs> what was the bare bones rather than graphical flourishes, I think. <laughs> right. And then there was a series called like, I don't call of the planeswalker or something like that. But I think that series is defunct. Now arena is definitely the, the more one-to-one -one, uh, competitor. I guess it might be smart to talk about how this game differs from, from magic. What do you think about that? Sure. Go ahead. So I'll start out by saying that you're totally right. I would say that maybe not 95%, but about, you know, like definitely in the 80s, 90s of the DNA of this is, is copied. So a lot of this comes straight over. A lot of the powers are the same. You know, creatures, for instance, have, have some sort of attack and some sort of HP. They don't call it power and toughness, but it's essentially the same thing. You got similar effects like endurance, first strike, death touch, uh, life, but they're all life. named something else here. That's the, and that's like uncanny valley. It's not death touch. It's deadly. It's not uh, first strike. It's uh, qu quick shot. I think it's called. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick, quick draw, quick draw. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> it's it's like the no name brand version of those. Right, and that's like I'm getting used to trying to keep like it's, it's. I know the names just seem a little sillier here, but maybe that's just yeah that that no name effect. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly there, and and I, I think everyone that gets into it will actually have that comes from the magic background, which I think that's their main draw, right? It's people coming from the magic background. They they will have a very easy transition into this. Um, I started playing this Absolutely. years ago, so uh, I don't have a recent experience. But it sounds like you got it got on pretty quick. Yes, yeah. Now the cool thing that this game does let you do is that it has a couple of key differences. Life total, it's 25 instead of 20, and that's surprisingly significant difference. And car, the deck, deck's uh, larger too. It's 75 cards instead of 60. While those seem like minor differences, they're actually significantly different. I feel like 25 allows you to build up your engine a little bit more and allows players to come swinging. I feel like in a lot of Magic matches it's sort of over before you know know it you know you can get screwed with card draws or whatever mm, and aggro even, decks are big that just go, right. go 
go hard and fast before the other player has a chance to react. <laughs> right, exactly. So I feel like this game lets you pick up. It's not slow by any means, but it lets you sort of get your engine going. And that's a little more time for tempo like to build. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think the deck size doesn't have too significant of an aspect, but there's it still has the weakness of relying upon physical mana cards. But the way that mana is dealt out is different and in in a way that i like very much i i don't know that it is like there is a very subtle difference i'll give you but i think it's primarily in just the graphical representation rather than having the card like in magic you have cards in your hand that that are mana you play each one out as a specific land and those lands all go out in front of you and then you tap each one individually to pay for other cards whereas in here they just go into a pool so you, you, you pay a, you, a power card, they're called here, and that will give you plus one to your total mana, but it just goes into one big pool, basically. So it's a little easy to keep track of. The it's, it's easy to see at a glance what costs what and not have to fiddle with tapping individual cards. Well, I think you're, you're missing a point there, though, is that it is true that power is handled as a kind of shared measure of how much, quote-unquote, mana you have. But the individual mana colors if you want to use the magic parlance they call them influence or sigils in this game the key distinction with how those are handled is you don't require one color from one card though the sigils of a given color that you have earned or unlocked act as a threshold they're not an individual cost that needs to be paid for every card that you play so, for yeah. instance, say you're playing a green-purple deck. You have, you know, seven power, and you have two purple and, you know, five green or something like that. If you had one card that costs three power and it required two purple, you can play it. And then you have another cost card that costs four power or something like that, and it requires two purple. Right? In Magic the Gathering, you couldn't play those. Because you've already, quote-unquote, tapped your two purple that you is the maximum of what you have. Yeah. In this game, just the fact that you had two as a threshold lets the card pass. You just need those sigils separately from the fact that you need the associated power. The power and the sigils are divorced, and I like that very much. You even have cards that cost you one power to, to cast, but you need to have two... Yellow yeah, I was going to mention purple. that one. I saw that card specifically. That was that is definitely one of the 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 exceptions. And, and I, 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 there is a, like, there is some subtleties there, like the because it's a threshold. It's a, the threshold is on a per card basis rather than a, across your entire turn. So you you have two purple to spend per card, not two purple to spend for your entire turn. I, I think that does create some differences. It, it does level things out a little bit, like flattens the curve a little bit. I don't know that there's a fundamental difference. I, I think the, the bigger difference is just in how it, that central pool is just being just being cleaner in general, I think, is the main functionality of that system. I don't know that it's revolutionizing the mana system particularly. Yeah, but you know what? I 100% agree with you, but you don't need to be revolutionarily different. <laughs> if you create quality of life improvements and the quality of life improves something by 15%, over the hundreds of times you play a game, it it just creates a flow. It saves you time. It saves you frustration. And for me, a lot of those 
changes that ease gameplay really count for a lot and uh, show that this is, you know, a slightly more, I wouldn't say evolved, but it <laughs> is in consideration of a system that is quite old, let, let us be honest. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I would have rather that it is not copy the system from Magic at all. And obviously it would, would have required a much more fundamental design change there. But I mean, we haven't discussed the other elephant in the room here is Hearthstone, which did have a very different system where each each turn you get one plus one to your sort of maximum mana. And that's so round two, you have two mana to work with. Round three, you have three mana to work with and it just ramps up on an even plane. And there are some ways you can tweak that with card effects, but that's a much more consistent sort of ramp where you don't have to be worrying about how many mana cards you have in your deck. What split of, of purple versus green do you have in your deck? And that, I mean, some, some deck builders, some people really like that part of the deck building process. That does nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. There's another ga- card game that is quite significantly different from even from Hearthstone and Magic. It's called, what is it called? It's the Riot card game. Le- oh, Le- League of Legends? It's based on League of Legends. It's called Legends oh. of Rune Terra. That's oh, what it's called. Okay. And it's actually pretty it's actually pretty fun. I played that a decent amount. I kind of got tired of it. It's it's a little bit of its own thing and you really have to enjoy <laughs> what it's doing. But yeah, you're right. It, it though, both of those games, Hearthstone and Rune Terra go for this colorless mana system which yes that is the ultimate grease for those wheels but you know the flip side of that coin is you're very limited in how you can construct your decks I, I've not played Hearthstone in, in a long enough time to, to know about that but again the deck building is the least interesting part of these games to me uh, one, one other quick tangent is that I, I've been playing some more Keyforge and Keyforge doesn't have any mana at all there is, right. there is zero cost to any right. card and I, I, I really just enjoy those more interesting ways that games are coming up. Okay, that was, that, Keyforge is Richard Garfield, the same designer of, of, of Magic the Gathering. So it, I, I'm really curious in how, how people are solving that mana issue. Because, I mean, I, I just don't think we've pointed out, the big issue with having these mana cards in your deck is that some games are going to completely come down to the luck of you drew too much mana or you didn't draw enough. And like regardless of what other cards you draw, you just can't play those cards. And that, that's, that's the luck of the draw. <laughs> Yeah, it's really true. But, you know, uh, the flip side of that, again, is Keyforge. I love that game, but it's the most restrictive way in the in the way you can deck build because yeah, you can't deck build. <laughs> right. But I hear your perspective is that you don't like to deck build. But no. I, really like, I really like to deck build. I, that's one aspect of this game that's, <laughs> I think, really quite rewarding. I mean, I've played this game for a lot longer than you have, so I, I recognize that you might not be as familiar with card types or, or just haven't gotten around to that yet. At this point, it's just incredibly overwhelming. Here's 500 cards. Make a deck with them. That that side of it, I don't enjoy. The sort of giving given a huge pool and trying to find an efficient path through it doesn't doesn't scratch anything for me. What I prefer is the draft format, which is which is here. There are a few variants of drafting in which you're given a limited pool and having to imp- have to improvise with those cards. And that's the sort of puzzling improvisation that I really enjoy in these games. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, you know, I should say it is the sign of a enjoyable game, you know, magic included, that allows you to play in multiple different ways. Exactly. So, yeah. It's a robust system that 
can support a whole bunch of different mechanics. A, a friend on, on our, our local Discord server was literally just t- telling me about a system for magic called Dan Dan or Dan Dan Dan, I think it's called, where there's a single deck. There's just one deck, and both players are drawing from the same deck, hmm. and using a very specific uh, set of cards. Uh, and that's that sounds that's its own game basically. It could, right. it could be you could package that and sell it as a, as a new card game. <laughs> yeah, Dan Dan is is Japanese, so maybe it comes from the Japanese uh, magic scene, which is still pretty strong actually. Um, Dan Dan means like on and on. Okay, I think I think it's just the name of a big fish, to be honest. In this game, so. yeah, it could be, but yeah, like there are formats in Magic that are more popular than Eternal. I bet, like individual formats, like Commander. Oh, Commander yeah, yeah. is its well, own thing. Speaking of formats, why don't we why don't we get into a bit of the nitty gritty here at what what Eternal has to offer? Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't you mention your favorite mode that you've tried, and I'll mention mine. I, I mean, there is the classic draft. Uh, you, there is uh, a, a, a PvP player of a player draft. You have to you have to pay either gold, which is the free currency that you earn through quests, or you can pay gems, which is a paid currency. That more, I guess, we can discuss that more later. But it, 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 there is an entry fee basically, and so I finally, I, after playing for a couple of weeks, had saved up enough to try a draft. Recently, I did that. And one thing I did like is that even though you're, the the matches are player versus player, the draft is all simulated. And maybe that's just because there wasn't enough players online. But even even just drafting with other players online gives me anxiety because I, I I'm so slow and I'm like oh I I I've got to pick something I've got to pick something I, I just panic and, and don't really think about the cards well enough. Whereas this you just have as much time as you want to just look through the simulated draft and and, and pick something. Uh, so I, I I did enjoy that. But there's also the PVE version of drafting called Forge. Right. Forge. Yeah. yeah. Forge is a lot of fun. That's the one that maybe I play like 75% of the time is Forge. Uh, just because that's a great way to see new cards. Because, you know, I don't follow the meta of this game. I mean, I'm excited when a new set comes out, but I don't follow it very clo- closely. I'm a filthy casual. But that way, when I try <laughs> Forge, I get to see some of the newer cards that came out in the last couple of sets. And that's the way, you know, I've discovered some new card types like. I'm kind of into insects right now, and I'm trying to build an insect-themed deck. So <laughs> I just draft insects whenever I see them, or beasts, or this keyword, or that keyword. And it's very easy, easy to just draft from a set of, I think it's three cards every every hand, right? Yeah, so it's, it's not a regular draft. It just gives you a set of three cards, pick one. Here's three cards, pick one. Hearthstone, I'm fairly sure, had a... A, uh, a mode that was like this. I don't remember what it was called. I want to say it was a, a, a arena, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's been years since I've played Hearthstone. But again, yeah, it, it, does, it gives you a, a very small selection. You have to improvise, and suddenly cards that are, like are not in the meta at all are actually useful. You ha- you're forced to use different. Like, you're forced to find weird combos and 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 and, and improvise. So, and it, it just gives you, like, sometimes there are, there are decks you wouldn't have thought to even try, but because that's, those are the options you're given, oh, hey, I'll, I'll try an, an insect deck. Let's, let's see how that works. Yeah, it's really fast, too, because I think you only draft something like 25 cards. It's a smaller deck, yeah. And you're limited to two colors maximum. Uh, so after a while, once you've chosen your two colors, it, it only gives you options from those two colors. And uh, it auto-picks an appropriate amount of mana mana cards for you. Uh, 
So that's kind of nice. I think it ends up being like a 40 card deck or something like that. So it's, it's, it's fast. And then what you do is you pit your deck that you have created against uh, AI, something like, I don't know, eight or 10 rounds. And if you survive that, I think you get to. I think you get to keep your cards, anyways. If I'm not mistaken, yes, yeah, that you drafted, because you know there is an entry fee. You do have to exactly. pay gold, yeah. But I find that gold, like I've never paid to to unlock gold. It's very easy to acquire, so I almost never run out of gold because I earn it, or earn <laughs> enough to play, essentially. So you pay that very easy to access uh, currency to, to play it. And then you get some even greater rewards if you happen to, to beat the entire Forge campaign, mini campaign, I guess you could say. I, I, I will say I never lost a single game against the AI mm-hmm. and, and across multiple uh, formats. And so I, I do wonder about the difficulty. That if, there's not, if there's not much challenge there, it's not really going to be pulling me back. And well, it might it's, just be a, a, like a, it hasn't sort of adjusted. I, I did hear it's like a, got a dynamic difficulty. So maybe it just hasn't adjusted to, to my, mm-hmm. you know, my elite skills yet. But <laughs> uh, I, I, I did find that a little bit let down in how easy it was. It's like one of those social media apps, right? For new players, it's trying to give, boost you with a lot of juice until well, the you fort, get Fortnite Fortnite throws you against bots and so oh, I what, I got a victory royale on my first game. I I, I rock. I must be the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I find that the AI is actually pretty clever. I would say that on a one-on-one basis, I can win like almost every match. But I would say in a, a gauntlet mode, which is actually separate from Forge, it's also PVE. It's where essentially you get to test drive a new deck that you've handcrafted. You know, I like I said, I like to build decks. So, you know, sometimes I design a bad deck, right? Sometimes I design a deck that doesn't work. <laughs> so a, a crafted deck, the AI using it will trounce mine with certain weaknesses. But I think that's that's a sign. That's that's the game. That's the meta game I enjoy playing. Yeah. Is so. You mentioned Gauntlet, just to, to clarify there. So that's another solo format that's completely free, and, and so you can play it as much as you want, where you, you choose a deck and then use that deck against uh, against a series of AI fights. I think it's seven fights or something. Uh, of inc- in theory, increasing difficulty, but again, I, I didn't really see that. But it's, it's a pre-constructed deck against these fights, and I think the last one will have some weird, like, Change, will change the rules in some funky way. And again, it's, it's not particularly revolutionary, but it, w- it was a good opportunity to just practice decks, like to test run them in a, in a dynamic environment. And that's the sort of thing I enjoy, especially when I'm, when I'm just adjusting to a new game and I don't have the, the confidence to go up against players yet. I can just m- mess with some decks and, and, and yeah, take them for a test drive. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what it's for, and that's uh, what I play it uh, a lot for. And I probably play that at about 20-30% of my time. Uh, I'll mention a couple other formats uh, quickly because they're not so significant. Puzzles is just like that. I think Magic the Gathering has that. It's just like a tutorial training mode. You know, beat this opponent in this scenario in two moves or something that could like be, that. That could be handy to... Sh- I, I, I didn't try these, but I, I can see that being useful to cement some core concepts especially for people who didn't come to come from like magic the gathering backgrounds there are some pretty advanced sort of levels of play that you wouldn't even think to 
to do until you see them in action. Yeah, absolutely. But the concept of that mode is very common in like certainly older games like chess computer games and Go computer games. We'll we'll kind of have those puzzles built chess right puzzles. in. Yeah. yeah, chess puzzle. You know, they even have those in book form, right? And in, in Japan, <laughs> they the have newspaper. Go ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much that for this game. What's another one? Quests are interesting. I think you. I'm not sure how you start off, but I think you have access to like a couple of quests out of the box the the campaigns you mean yeah there's two sorts of campaigns there's quests is one which are larger campaigns and they are typically paid yes a bunch of them are paid and then you get to keep the deck the constructed deck at the end of the campaign and then a couple of them are free and then there's the more limited campaigns which are called chapters and this is actually a really new feature that only came up in the last year or so, I think. And they are limited to sort of four chapter campaigns. So each campaign has four chapters. They're released on like a time delay. Yeah, it's like one one a week. So I think there's one running right now where there'll, there'll be one, basically one match each week. And it's telling a, a, a story over the course of those four weeks, essentially. And each one, like I, I, I'm playing through one right now. I've just, I just played the, the, the third one just came out today, I think. And it's like each match gives you a, a pre-built deck. So you, you don't, there's no deck building. You're just given a deck and there's usually some quirk, some rule change and some story beats to go along with it. The story means absolutely nothing to me. I would have no point of reference for who these characters are or why I should care. But uh, it, was, it was a fun gimmick, especially the, the, the pretty wacky, powerful decks that you're given. Yeah, I played this game for better part of 10 years, and I feel exactly the same way as you. I, I can't follow the story or in, name a single <laughs> character. I can name a few factions and card types. but Oh, it's all um, this complete fantasy mumbo-jumbo. I have no right. idea what's going on in this game. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, I feel the same way about Magic the Gathering. Like, I know that there's some planeswalkers and some of them have names like i don't know chandra or something like that but other than that i don't know what's going on so i feel about <laughs> I'll, I'll give that a tie basically between so those this two is two trying systems. harder to make it's, it's very easy to ignore the story in magic the gathering this is trying very hard to make story matter <laughs> i think it's the first thing you see when you open the app well, there's a tutorial for one thing. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. There's also these story quests. Like when you open, when you log in, and if there's a new one you haven't done yet, it'll, it'll prompt you. Do you want to play this right now? And yeah, you I can usually skip will. It. Yeah, you can skip it, but I usually will as well. And so for that reason, I think it succeeds. Yeah, uh, yeah. And of course, there's the typical multiplayer modes. We don't really have to go too deep into that. There's <laughs> who plays that? <laughs> yeah, there's casual and ranked and whatever. There's this thing called throne and this thing called expedition. I don't know what the difference is. There's yeah, it's like magic having legacy and and standard and pioneer. I, I yeah, all these terms I don't know. Yeah, there's <laughs> leagues like so for people that do get serious, that's great for them. So you know, I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's excellent. Yeah, I have heard that they, there's a mode. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically like a seasonal league where you you're given a, a pack of cards at the start of the season and you build a deck with just those cards and you unlock more packs over the course of the season and hey that that actually sounds really cool i don't have the time or patience to to try it out and again too much anxiety against other players but the idea of that that that, of that format sounds really cool yeah for sure maybe i'll just touch upon the um currencies a little bit because it it is a bit of that free-to-play game there's 
three currencies. There's gold, which is like nothing you can earn so easily. There's this thing called shift stones, which you earn when you say, for instance, you can only ever have four copies of a given card in your deck. It's basically meltdown duplicate cards to make other cards you don't have. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So many other game systems have that. So that's what shift stones are. And then there's these premium gems, which you uh, obviously you have to buy, or you maybe you unlock through winning some tournaments or something. But the, you need those to buy pre-constructed decks to enter the drafts that you mentioned and to buy any cosmetic stuff. So if you want to buy, you know, card sleeves, you want to buy these like animated kind of statues that stand on your side of the player board. Um, if you want to buy these little pets, you can buy all that sort of stuff too. It doesn't really interest me that much. And that's why I haven't spent a single cent on this game in <laughs> close to 10 years. It's about that old. I think it came out in 2014, something like that. Yeah, it's been around a while. And then there, so there is a lot of content there like the can there's like a dozen campaigns that you could play through but again each of those are going to cost you money it's like ten thousand coins i want to say uh, it was quite a lot of coins it would take quite a bit of time a draft doesn't take too long to build up for but it, it takes significantly longer to build up to to buy a campaign so i if, if you want to see all of that i mean it might give you something to work towards that's that's one thing i haven't really felt right now is what am i what am i trying to achieve long term i guess just saving enough money to to try one of those but it, it is quite generous in 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 giving you coins in various ways and giving you packs and even giving you decks like it'll just give you here's a pre-built deck with with this theme i don't remember how exactly i i got those there was a couple of of times that i, I was just given a free deck i don't know whether that was like a, a, a sort of account level or a there was a few different sort of account levels like in in certain colors i think when you meet certain thresholds there but there are there are ways of getting just pre-built decks that will maybe give you some starting points if you don't feel like building your own yeah um one thing that we failed to mention is that every one of those game modes that i mentioned maybe not every one of them but most of them have these tiers and when you surpass a certain tier they give you like they shower you with like, <laughs> like a whole gift basket of rewards like they might give you four packs to unlock and then this deck and then this cosmetic item and this sort of thing and it doesn't happen very often for me just because i played <laughs> the modes i like very much You've already so got them I, all. <laughs> yeah, I hardly go up in tiers but leading up to then you do get showered with a lot of rewards you know i'm just going to come right out and say that this is why i play this game is because objectively this game is more generous than magic arena it gives you more for free it lets you do more for free i never feel compelled to spend money although <laughs> you know i could for all the enjoyment i've gotten over the years i could easily spend 20 you know 40 60 bucks on this and you know i can delve into other reasons why i enjoy it as well so spoiler, it does depend on what, like um, what formats you prefer. Like if you really want to experience those campaigns, it's going to, the game's going to feel a lot more grindy, I imagine. And I am mm -hmm. curious, like I, I wanted to try and to, to play one of those before we recorded, but I, I didn't earn enough gold. I barely got enough to just do a draft. And so that was my, my goal <laughs> for, for, for this, uh, for this, my, my time spent with it. Yeah, I read a little bit of the the marketing material, and they said that a great way to earn coin is to do the the competitive stuff, as you might yeah, imagine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so there's um, like a lot of free to play games. There's like daily quests. So I think there's like three 
daily quests at a given time. But it's going to be random as to whether those are PvE or PvP-based quests. Right, and you'll all, always win something if you beat your first like real human opponent in a given day, which I hardly ever do. <laughs> well, I don't think we really discussed some of the ways in which it makes use of the digital format. In, in, in the oh, game yeah, yeah. themselves. So, again, one of the ways in which it does differentiate itself from Magic the Gathering in, in line of heart. Again, I haven't played Hearthstone enough uh, recently to know if it does any of these things, but there are a lot of keywords and abilities and, and on these cards that will let you do things that wouldn't really be possible in Magic. Ways of, of interacting with your deck, like basically you can, you can upgrade cards while they're still in your deck before you've drawn them. There's, a, there's a, an ability called Warp. Warp? Yeah. That if, if, if the top card of your deck has Warp, you can play it immediately or you draw it immediately, I, I think. And But like obviously you, you wouldn't know that if you would... If you had a physical copy of the game, it's only because the gate you have this sort of neutral party of the game checking your deck for you and updating it that it's able to, mm-hmm. to make the most of the of things like that. Right. There's I have a, a deck built around warp, and there are permanent cards that will may, say all cards of this type are have warp, <laughs> which eventually means you could see you can play the top card of any card in your deck, and when it comes to mana. That's exceptionally powerful because you can play a mana and then end up being able to play more cards in that given turn. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I think another uh, ability that affects cards in your deck is Warcry. I know that you've had personal experience. Yes, that's right. It it can upgrade the cards that are in your deck, basically, uh, and and give them, like, boost their, their stats, essentially. Right. And some cards can even have higher than one Warcry. So it might have Warcry 2 or something like that. Mm, So if you have a creature that has Warcry 1 or 2, when it attacks, the top weapon or creature in your deck gains X attack and X HP boost based on the Warcry (laughs) that you used. So that can be quite powerful (laughs) over given time. It's, It's quite significant. I'll just mention a couple other keywords that I find intriguing that are, mm-hmm. are very uh, digital centric. Uh, decay is an interesting one. So decay, I mean, you could do this if you had like tokens or whatever as well. Uh, basically, if you attack with something that has the decay power, it reduces the attack and hit points of whatever it hits permanently. So if a 1-1 one, one with a d- decay hits a 2-2 two, two blocker, that 2-2 two, two blocker is now a 1-1. One, one. Oh, magic absolutely does that and just expects you to, to track that information yourself, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, is, well, which is like one of the worst things about magic. <laughs> yeah, you don't need any tokens in this one because it's, it's, <laughs> it's printed right there digitally. Uh-huh. Another one I'll mention is called Echo. So when you draw this card, you instantly get another copy of the card. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, which you just couldn't do um, uh, otherwise without tokens or something like that. But then you, then the other opponent would know something's up. I, I will say as a new player, it is extremely overwhelming. Just the, the it's, it's, I guess it's, it, to some extent it's, it's power creep. This game has been out so long. It has added so many new features and, and keywords. But getting, jumping in now as a, as a new player, there's just abilities bouncing back and forth every which way. And it's a little overwhelming. Like sometimes I, I just want the game to go a little slower slower to be able to nail those 
sort of core mechanics first. But again, there is plenty of solo modes to ease yourself in at the same time. So it's not too overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit surprised. I thought, I thought there might be a log or something that showed you know, in written terms, what your, you and your opponent were doing with that was one thing I struggled playing. with. There's really into history. Uh, so many times I'd, I'd, I'd see a card flash on the opponent's screen. Like, what did that do? What happened? What's changed? And like, Oh, it's, it's already been buried three levels deep into the, the discard or the, sorry, the void. Another pet peeve. <laughs> this game never explains some pretty key terms. I had no idea what the void was. I assumed it was like exile or something. It sounds much more ominous. It's just to discard. Why? Why do they need such a like? It does get a little bit extra on the fantasy on the fantasy jargon. They they, yeah. they didn't need to be called like that. <laughs> why did Why did they need to have a graveyard in Magic? Then? Well, yeah, just call it a discard. It's a little bit try hard in the fantasy realm, like. There are just so many fantasy pastiches here of every monster and and cowboys as well for some reason. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a lot, and the art style the art style is good at times, but some of the character design is a bit much. Like if, most of the guys look like they have six packs on their face, and all the women have like you know baby smooth skin, and it's it's a, it's a little much with some of the yeah. old school uh, tropes there. It's very like fifteen years ago, like wow, you're a Blizzard artwork. Oh, there's uh, even an Arthas equivalent in the in the tutorial. I don't remember what her name is, but there was a woman who's who's another Arthas copycat. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, the the art design is very I don't know serviceable, but it's not very inspiring or revolutionary. Certainly, I'm sure it's improved a lot. Like this is this is all like the OG tutorial stuff that most of these is in. I, th- I think the the newer stuff is probably better. I'm going to hope at least. <laughs> yeah, there's some like creature types that I like a lot. Like the the Grenadine are funny. They're like these little like little robots essentially that can duplicate and them themselves and explode themselves so i'm sure there's a magic equivalent there's a whole race called the oni which are uh, i suppose japanese inspired demons but the artwork doesn't look traditionally japanese except there's a lot of japanese pastiches like they're wearing kimonos yeah. and they're standing in front of a temple or have samurai swords or something like that no that said it, it is a pretty cool faction uh there's this really interesting faction which i kind of think is broken called strangers <laughs> go check it out and then there's these snowball throwing yetis which is like very blizzard i feel like yes yeah it all it all feels again like no name blizzard and it's just i, I mean i just found it very overwhelming as a new player but again this is how many years of content uh dumped on top of each other but i i do, I do think that is an issue it's i don't think think that it is super friendly to new players okay if, if you're if you don't have a background in magic the gathering mm, yeah it, it's very easily translatable if you know that but mm-hmm. while there is a tutorial and it does a good job of it like it, it sets up all these scenarios and story context modes of, of explaining the certain mechanics but it doesn't actually just come out and explain what the mechanics do. It's explaining everything by example, but it never just gives you a clear breakdown of this is how this mechanic works. It never explains key yeah. concepts like what the void is, what um, like playing things out of turn never comes up. There's a bunch of core mechanics and like it just even basically exp- it needs to explain upfront what is the what the mana system is, what are, what are power cards, how they function. It doesn't give you a clear, straight-up answer. It just throws bits and pieces, and here's an example, and here's an example, and here's an example, but it's not very cohesive, I don't think. 
Yeah, I think that's totally true. Although part of me would argue that Magic hasn't been very forthcoming about how to play Magic in oh, the no. longest time. Although I think the... I think Magic Arena does have a pretty good tutorial. I will give it that. Sure. But I think yeah. this, I think in general, this is a better uh, graphical onboarding. Like this, just the way everything is presented here is cleaner than Magic. The way, like the way the manner is, the way even just power and um, sorry, strength and attack. Is it's a little more readable here than in arena. The numbers are a little bit muddy in arena, I find, but I do think that onboards you onto the mechanics better. Arena is certainly, yeah, I can't say that Magic is not a good game. Uh, the reason <laughs> why I play Eternal over Magic the Gathering and Magic Arena is that I'm cheap and that this doesn't cost me any money. I'm also a solo player, and this game is very solo friendly. The AI in Magic Arena is woefully weak, like much mm-hmm. weaker than I would I would say than um, it is in Eternal. And there's just fewer solo directed modes in Magic Arena. Yes, so, absolutely. So yeah. just for the type of player that I am, I think that this game is objectively better. I would say that Magic Arena, you know, it just has its legacy, right? And that's good and bad. It's it's got a lot more money behind it. It's a lot more polished. <laughs> And the designers are obviously top-notch that come up with the new cards and the new sets and the new metas. But they're also really money-grabbing corporate <laughs> well, yeah, I, terrible people. So <laughs> I, have, I have nothing good to say about Wizards of the Coast. I, like, I just like the game Magic the Gathering. But I, again, yeah. at the same time, I'd, I'd rather play it in person. I, yeah. Especially when you're learning. I find these games easier to learn. Because especially when there's like a dozen different abilities firing off on all sides. It's, yeah. And when, when everything is tracked for you, it's harder to internalize. You're not thinking clearly about what goes where. Like, just to make, it's a little easier to internalize these rules when you're playing in person and you have to manage it yourself and yeah. do it really cements those rules. And it's a, so it can be a little overwhelming uh, playing digitally here, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. The best way to learn a dueling game is to learn from a friend, and, and you can certainly do that much more easily in uh, Magic the Gathering. Well, I'm in the process of building my very first draft cube with with the new uh, Lord of the Rings set of Magic the Gathering. So maybe we can try that out sometime. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, I'll bring some old cards that I have. But uh, yeah, I'll need to have my arm twisted. Let's just say <laughs> I'd much rather play some Keyforge. Like I have a ton of fun decks for that. Yeah, as I said, I <laughs> I played the game of that recently for the first time. It's messy. The, 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 the random decks can be wildly unpredictable and not balanced at all. But the core mechanics of that is, is really something. Like, no mana at all. Yep. You, and, and you're not attacking each other. It's just a race. Exactly. So right. you don't have to be worrying about attacking each other. It's just you build up an engine to, the, to, to, to generate resources. You're not worrying about attacking each other. So it's much less direct, much less mean, I guess. So I, I think Keyforge is, is pretty un, un, underrated. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I actually think Keyforge is great. I'm glad it seems to have a second life after FFG uh, dropped it. So uh, I have a bunch of decks that I'd still like to play. So yeah, you know, there's an open invitation. Let's play some Keyforge soon. Yeah, they re- they just fulfilled the the sort of 2.0, and I'm, I'm not sure how available it's going to be at retail or anything. I'm, I'm very curious how that that's changed, but I'm I'm curious to see how it evolves. But that, that, that's key, that's key forge. Uh, so we are talking about eternal, I guess. Let's just bring it back to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'll summarize it once again. I think eternal is great because it it's financially friendly. 
It's also very solo friendly. It's it evolves the meta, but not so r- r- rapidly or intensely as the other CCG we've been talking about a lot. But it's still strategic. It's still tactical and enjoyable. And I would say it's a good alternative to Magic, but it doesn't beat Magic. It doesn't reinvent the wheel in any way. And the most of its improvements, again, are in the meta, the formats, the graphical representations, rather than anything inherent in the game mechanics and and even the world. I mean, I don't know that I, I love the world building in Magic, but uh, here is it's very chaotic and a uh, big melting pot of fantasy pastiche, which I, which I didn't love. But Core Game is very solid. Great. Well, I think we've talked about that at length. I'll just ask you this question. Will you play some more multiplayer with me? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know that I'm up to building my own deck, but uh, I, I, I want to at least try one of the campaigns. Very cool. All right. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like you're still playing, so I'll, I'll keep playing too. Excellent. All right. Shall we move on to talk about our next game? Yes, absolutely. So next episode, we are going back to the board game table and uh, playing another little game, which I, I, did, I did play this last weekend. Uh, I didn't talk about today because we're going to be discussing it next episode. And that is Underwater Cities. Yeah, Underwater Cities by, what's his name? Suchi? Vladimir Suchi. And I believe you've spoken about it a few times in the past. So this is one of, this is up there as one of your favorites, right? It is a game I respect a lot. I haven't played it in a while. Yeah, I won't say too much about it, except <laughs> to say that I'm excited to try it again, and I've really enjoyed the past plays I've I've done of this game. Excellent. Well, join us next episode for that. If you've got any feedback on this current episode, any thoughts on Eternal the Card Game, any suggestions for a TTRPG that we can cover, or any questions comments on underwater cities please contact us you can email us at omnigamersclub at gmail.com or we're still available on twitter it's still alive i think someone poked that with his deck with a stick and <laughs> see if it's moving yeah i don't know about this threads app i don't really know what it's offering oh, I'm not touching that. no <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right it's a devil <laughs> talk about that yeah if anyone's interested in trying out uh, underwater cities there is a digital implementation on yukata.de that's y-u-c-a-t-a dot d-e so go check it out it's still available in physical as well in print so yeah follow along with us or reach out to us and let's play a game Okay, well, I'll see you next episode in the club. Sounds great. And until next time, uh, have a balanced diet of gaming. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.